take your copy of God's Word and turn to the book of Luke. Luke chapter 16. The reality for me is I began what we did at 9 o'clock, the solemn assembly, started for me weeks ago. Our pastor was preaching, and the Lord started convicting me of some things, and then I'm driving down the road. You know, if you're, if you're trying to walk with God and you really want to be right with Him, and you open that up and ask Him, He'll show you. I thought about a man in our church that's sick, and so I went to our little uh, program, and I looked up his name, and I touched the button to call him. And the moment I did, the Holy Ghost said, You've not loved this man and ministered to him the way you have others. Well, I felt a pang of conviction, and I knew it was true. Um, you know, I don't care who you are. There are areas that the Spirit of God will bring to your heart, and when, you, when He does it, make it right right then. You know, some people are easier to love than others. You know what I'm talking about? But that's no excuse. No excuse. Uh, we're commanded to love our neighbors. And then I'm driving down the road a little later that same day, and I pass a house, and I remember a young man that lived in that house. He's grown now and married, and he hurt one of my children uh, really badly. And I had hard feelings toward him. I may have dealt with it in the past, but as sure as the world, I don't know if the devil did it or my flesh, but it just rose up in me all over again. And I had to pull the car off and say, Lord, please forgive me and help me forgive him. You know, the solemn assembly is about us coming together and getting serious about getting right with God, putting our priorities in order and making him first. Now, here's what I know. There's a lot of people viewing this uh, live stream that would have loved to have been here with us, Pastor Cameron, today. I promise you. There are families here that have lost loved ones this week. Um, the Jacksons. Uh, also, uh, Jessica Bell's grandfather. Some of you know Jimmy Bryant. Jimmy and Janet. Jimmy passed away yesterday. Had a funeral for Patrick Johnson, who who um, is connected to our community. Four in the little community of Plainview this week. God is speaking to us. But there are a lot of people that are home, and because either one of their children has uh, tested positive for the virus and they're quarantining, even though they may not have it, don't have it, or there are others that their child was in the classroom with a student that potentially either has it or doesn't. Look, I love what was said this morning about giving grace. We don't think you're less. If you're watching the stream or you look at it later in the week, um, I just know there's something about... I wouldn't have wanted to miss our time together seeking the Lord at 9 o'clock. There was something special and a little wind of heaven blowing around here. But this morning, my message will be a little different than that. I have a, a word of challenge for us. Because I can only speak for myself and what I see as, as a, one of the pastors of this church. It's so easy for me to get caught up in my routine and my responsibilities, and forget that the woman who lives across the street from me, who we're just starting to build a friendship now, me and Terry took something over there when she first moved there, and she might watch this stream. If she does, we love you already. We, we already want to build a greater friendship. 
But the people all around me are either going to go to one of two places when they die. They're either going to go to heaven or they're going to go to hell. When our loved ones this week that are connected to us breathe their last breath on this side, they breathe the next somewhere else, either in heaven or in hell. Being soul conscious is something that I have to be reminded of all the time. How, how much have you given your thoughts to sharing your faith this week? Have you told anyone about your relationship with Jesus Christ? Have you invited anyone else to have a conversation, maybe a gospel conversation? Have you done anything really to invite someone to a small group or a Bible study or into a, a relationship with you and your family or your home? What, if anything, have any of us done to further the cause of Christ? So with that in mind, the Lord brought a truth back to my heart uh, from years and years ago. And I want to preach for a few minutes on this subject, the obituary of a lost man. I read lots of obituaries this week. I shared some in funeral services. And I want us to think about, if you're saved, I'm so glad you are. I want you to think about the people around you that aren't this morning. Our burden for the revival this time is that all of our friends and loved ones come to faith in Jesus. And we know that they do. Hey, some of your friends, you don't know if they're believers or not. Well, maybe this is the time to ask those questions. It's time to broach that subject. God, would you speak to us this morning? Would you transfer the burden from your heart to mine to these people? that make up this church family. Lord, would you so work in our lives that we can honestly rejoice in the fruit that you're about to bring and that we'll be busy about our Father's business. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's do something a little different. I know we have different translations in the room, but predominantly, because I use the same older translation, some of you have, let's responsively read. Beginning in verse 19, Luke chapter 16 I'll read the odd verses. Join with me in reading the uh, even verses. And here's what's beautiful. In a room this size, if you read softly, it won't matter what version you have. We can't hear each other anyway without sound. So join me in reading the even verses. There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day together. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his gate full of sores. And desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table, moreover the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus, in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. Now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. And besides all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. 
Then he said, I pray thee, therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house, send Lazarus. For I have five brethren, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. Abraham said unto him, They have Moses and the prophets, they have God's word. Let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. That's what he thought. And he said unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. Father, add your blessing to the reading of your word and fill this room with the hand of God and the convicting work of the Holy Spirit. Speak to us, Lord. Open our eyes to lostness. In Jesus' name, amen. There could not be a greater um, parallel between these two people. The one man is very rich. In fact, um, in my study of this, there's, a, there's a, a controversy as to whether this is a parable exclusively or if Jesus is speaking, uh, naming two proper names of Lazarus and, and Abraham uh, of a literal story. I will tell you this, even if it is a parable, this happens all the time. In reality... Uh, I, I take the position that it's more literal than parabolic. But, but here's a man that is extremely wealthy. So much so that his garments, purple, and, and this particular kind of linen that he wore, told everybody. You, in those days, if you saw a person's garment, that spoke of their standing uh, in the community and their standing leadership and so on. He wore that beautiful garment every day. And, and then he did something that sounds really familiar to me. The Bible says he fared sumptuously every day. You've got to remember, in these moments, for people in that economy, in that region, a little crust of bread may have been the entire uh, ration for them for the whole day. But this man didn't eat like that. He had the finest of everything, the best cuts of everything. He would have had regional, different regions and, and different type of national foods. He would enjoy anything he ever wanted whenever he wanted it. Boy, if if I was thinking about Americans, this sounds a lot like us, doesn't it? Uh, you know, even though this suit's quite old, uh, the truth is I get to wear nicer clothes than probably three-quarters or more of this world's population. If I want to eat something from the Italian restaurant as a foodie that I happen to be, with some of you, I point the finger at all of my foodies in the room, I go to the Italian restaurant. If I want something, uh, Mexican food, we go there. If we want to eat something different or wherever, you know, we're in a position now to be able to do it. We sound a lot more like him, at least early in this story. But then dramatic parallel to the other guy. The Bible calls him Lazarus. Jesus is speaking, and he says he's laying at that gate, the gate of that rich man. Now, the rich man knows him because later he calls his name. You know that? when After he dies, he calls his name and says, Sin Lazarus. So he knows him. He's seen him. Um, the question is, how could a man not love his neighbor? Here's this man, and, and all he wanted was the crumbs, just the leftovers, the things that nobody else wanted, just the crumbs that fell from the rich man's table, but instead of receiving them, he, he, uh, they were given to maybe to the animals, maybe to the very dogs that are hanging around. These, it's not a reference to wild dogs, but maybe house-type 
animals. Their bellies are full of what Lazarus wanted but didn't receive. And then, and then the Bible says that the, the dogs come and lick his wounds. What a pitiful sight. Man with sores all over him. But then something happens that changes everything. The Bible says that the beggar died. That's what he called him. Jesus called Lazarus a beggar and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. Now, there's controversy between some of my brothers in our church, and I, I love all of you, as to whether upon death you go right into the third heaven or whether before the resurrection, my position, that there were two places of abode for those who died. One was paradise in the heart of the earth. The other would have been Hades. This passage seems to lend itself that way because if you'll notice in the passage, they could see each other. There's a great gulf. You can't cross back and forth. But the, but the rich man in hell, in torment, saw Lazarus in Abraham's bosom on the other side. Abraham's bosom, another, another name for paradise. And then at the resurrection, when he led captivity captive, he that ascendeth, same as the one that descendeth, he ascends, and the Bible even talks about some of the saints that slept, arising, walking around, but they go right up into the presence of God at that point, which is when I believe the transition is made to where now when our loved ones pass, when Rosemary breathed her last the other day, I believe she breathed um, celestial air in the third heaven after that. But that's neither here nor there. But looking at the text, um, it's so interesting that now there's a communication between the two. I've been meditating on this for a while, and I, I, I see f- several things regarding this obituary. And I, I, I want you to notice, I'll give you just four phrases or so regarding this man, this lost man. I want you to think about the person in your life that you're not sure if they're saved or not. They may work right beside you. They may live next to you. Maybe a part of your family. Number one, I want you to see this phrase, verse 19. He was lost and didn't know it. Here's the obituary of a lost man. He was lost and didn't know it. There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. He, he had no, con- no conception that he's about to face God. He had no idea. Look, I just described the mass of humanity right now. There is a major ignorance when it comes to a person's soul. When you ask people if they have a relationship with Jesus Christ, if they've been born again, often you'll get this reply, well, I don't know. Or I I don't think you can know that. I hear that more than I do a blanket no. Or in in the Bible Belt, Everybody's saved. You, you know who I'm talking about. I mean, uh, they can have a, a, a liquor bottle in one hand and a cigarette that long here and weed in their pocket, and you ask them if they're saved. Well, heavens, yes. I, I am because Mama was and Granddaddy was. Did you know God doesn't have any grandchildren? Everybody comes to Him on their own. It's a personal decision. But here's where this man was. He was lost, and he didn't even know it. Do you know all the people that you care about that you don't know for sure that they're a believer as we approach this revival? Did you know a lot of them, if it had to do with my testimony or yours, if you never share with them, if you never uh, are verbal, if, if you never try to invite them to Christ, if you never have those opportunities, how in the world are they going to know that they're lost? Yes, the Holy Spirit convicts, but He does so 
because of God's Word, the seed of the Word of God. I've never known anybody, uh, when someone passes, to say, you know, I, I wished I'd have never witnessed her. I wished I'd have never given them the gospel. I've not heard that one time in 36 years of ministry. But I've heard a lot, and I've seen tears, hot tears, by people who say, I, I was just so uncomfortable in sharing my faith, my story with them. I would to God I had another opportunity. Number one, this man was lost and didn't know it. Number two, he died and didn't expect it. Verse 22 talks about, uh, and it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried, and the rich man also died and was buried. Did you know, most everybody, and a lot of times people know when they're about to die, but a lot of people die without any expectation of it whatsoever. This man, one day, he's walking around. He is wealthy. He's living the high life. He's got everything you can imagine. He could travel anywhere he wanted to, enjoy any, any pleasure that you could imagine. The very next moment, he's in the heart of the earth. He's in Hades, in torments. You see, he died and he did not expect it. Just this week I mentioned there were four deaths in our little Plainview community here. And maybe more. And I stood there at one of the funerals I was conducting and looked around at all the people. And, and, uh, and I thought, I wonder, you know, by the way, when those moments come, we think about it. We, we began to think about the future and about our, our soul and our heart. And what, a, what an important moment to consider it. But, but I'm asking you to consider the people around you. There's a good evidence that most of us in this room, maybe not everyone, but most of us know Jesus Christ. We have a relationship with Him. We remember a moment in time in our life when we understood we were lost. And the great substitution happened. You know what the great substitution is, don't you? It's my favorite story to tell right now. If you're ever around me, it's the one I'm telling it's what happened when I came to faith in Jesus Christ. And He, Jesus, became sin for us. You know what He did? He took every bit of my sin on Him who knew no sin. Listen to this. That I may be made the righteousness of God in Him. Did you hear that? He took all my sin on Him. He put all His righteousness on me. I'm telling you, I'm glad I'm saved this morning. Are you glad you're saved? I I'm telling you what happened was the great substitution. But a lost person knows nothing of that. And, and, and some of them will face death without ever understanding it. You know what the Bible says about death? It's appointed unto men once to die. After this, judgment. I'd like to tell everybody in this room, you're going to live to be 80 or 90. You'll have plenty of time and all the rest. But I've seen too many little caskets. And I buried too many teenagers, young people and young families... God is trying to help us get right with Him in the solemn assembly, in the messages and the sermons preached in preparation for this, for us to repent because God wants to pour His Spirit out. And when He does that, often there's an awakening that follows and fruit that comes from that. People coming to faith in Jesus Christ, walking down the aisles, repenting at home and coming here to declare it or getting saved in their homes afterwards. I just thinking about it the other day in the room, there was Terry Brown sitting here and Tim was in the back and I, Tim Jackson and I thought, both of those guys came to faith in Christ after a revival one night. And then the other Sunday night prayer meeting, Tommy McLeod stood up, Pastor Cameron asked him to give his testimony. If you missed it, you missed the blessing of, 
of how he ran from God and he had a wife who loved him and kept asking him and he lied and he did everything he could to get away from it. Finally, he said, I'll go one time to get her off my back. And when he came, the good news is he was not the only one that came. The Holy Ghost came that night and drew him to Jesus Christ and showed him the cross. He's sitting here this morning because somebody cared enough to pray. We've been doing that. Now it's time to go to the next level. It's time to invite. Number one, he was lost and didn't know it. Number two, he died and didn't expect it. Number three, he went to hell and couldn't change it. Did you know, once you, once you die, your eternal destiny is settled. There is no paying you out of any place. You're there for eternity. I told in the early hour, I want you to imagine a white rope. I have a white rope. It's not big as the one I'm going to describe right now. But I want you to imagine a white rope so long, about that big around, and so long that it could wrap around the outside of this tabernacle a thousand times. Ten thousand. That'd be a long rope. But on the very end of that rope, I want to put one little piece, two inches of tape at the end. Just two inches of tape. By doing that, some of you have heard me give this illustration before, I'm helping you try to begin to understand how much time this life is compared to all of eternity. We focus everything on right now and on this little space of time instead of recognizing eternity. This man went to hell and he couldn't change it. By the way, his soul didn't go to sleep in the grave. His life didn't just end. And annihilation and nothing else happened. Oh, no. He didn't go into purgatory for his family to pray him out or pay him out. Are you seeing it? The Bible says, in hell, he lift up his eyes, being in torment. I don't want to be crude, but your loved ones, your children, your parents, your friends, your neighbors... That's what's going to happen. You say, I can't save anybody. No, you can't. But Jesus can. His word has power. Get them in here. I told you we have an evangelist coming, a Texas evangelist. Get them under the spout where the glory comes out. Get them in a church where a bunch of saints have been praying and repenting of sin, and God's ready to do a harvest work. That's what we've been trying to do. We're a mess. We know it. We want to be where God can send the Holy Spirit to bring conviction. Number one, he was lost and didn't know it. Number two, he died didn't expect it. Number three, went to hell and couldn't change it. Number four, he wanted another chance and couldn't have it. This statement he makes in verse 23 and 24, And in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments, seeing Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, say the next two words with me, have mercy on me. Then he goes on to ask him to dip his finger in water and cool his tongue. He just said, mercy. Can I have mercy extended to me? Listen, it's too late at that point. God has mercy today for thousands. The ones you've given up on, he's not given up on. God's still able to save Somebody said, from the guttermost to the uttermost. 
There's no hard cases that He can't redeem. How many believe this, that the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us from all sin? I'm telling you there's power in the blood of Christ. Did you see Kendon's t-shirt when he was making the announcements? Y'all need Jesus. Did you see that? By the way, the announcements took a little longer today because Kendon talked slow. It's a little country. I don't know if you noticed that. Just a little. Young preacher, it's going to take him an hour to get a 30-minute sermon out unless we do a little work on him, Mark. We're going to do it, though. He wanted another chance, and he couldn't have it. Boy, I had a terrible, sobering thought this week while I was praying, trying to envision myself in this text. This is the thought that came. I wonder if we could for a moment go and descend into the corridors of hell right now. We maybe could hear these words, if not from the rich man, from many others saying, another chance. Give me another chance. If I could have one more opportunity to say yes to that invitation my neighbor invited me to come to that revival. If I, if I could just have one more chance for a friend to share Jesus with me, just one more. But there'll be no more chances. He was lost and didn't know it. He died and didn't expect it. Went to hell and couldn't change it. He wanted another chance, but couldn't have it. Finally, he had a burden later. He did. He had a burden for souls, the souls of others, but he couldn't use it. But he could not use it. Look at verse 27. He said, Father Abraham, I pray thee, therefore, that thou would ascend him to my father's house. For I have five brethren that he may testify unto them, lest they also come to this place of torment. He said, they won't listen to the word of God, but they'll listen if somebody comes from the dead. You might believe that. According to Jesus, that's not going to make them. If they don't come because of the conviction that comes through the Word of God, they won't come if a formerly dead person walked in that door and came up here and tried to testify. They won't come to genuine faith in Christ without God's Word, Moses and the prophets. You know, what troubles me is this man has more of a burden than most Christians I know. If you poll the average Christian at a Baptist church this morning and ask the question, who have you shared Jesus with in any fashion? Who have you invited to come to Jesus in the last year? Most would hang their heads. And I want to say something to maybe someone who's here this morning and you've never repented of your sin. By the way, being a member of this church won't save you. Trying to live good, be baptized, none of those things save anybody. Give a little money, we don't care. God takes care of meeting the needs. Here's what I want you to understand. Only the blood of Christ washes away sin. It's only His substitutionary work when you come to Him in faith and He puts all of His righteousness on you as He takes all of His, your sin on Him. That's the only way a man or a woman gets born again. But it's so sweet and it's so simple. He said, ask and shall be given unto you. I, I want to I save you. Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Do you believe that? Did you know beyond belief, you have to receive that? You know, a lot of young people make decisions when they're little. And they get a little older, they come back and they say, You know what, Pastor? You know what, Mom, Dad? I'm not sure I really understood 
my lostness and what conviction meant as the Holy Spirit was drawing me and what real repentance and regeneration when God changes somebody. Let me tell you something. I don't care if you've held on to a profession. Don't wait another moment. Give your heart to Christ. Do it before the meeting. Do it in the meeting. Don't be ashamed to do business with God. But this man had a burden. I'm asking you to ask God, Lord, give me a burden and place folks in my life, on my heart, that I can pray for and bring and invite. Let me close. What a sad plight for this man. Lost, and there's millions of others. Doomed, damned. Men and women. You know what the Lord said to us? We're going we're gonna to claim them one more time. Pastor Cameron's mentioned them. I mentioned them in the early hour. I'm going to mention them again. There are two verses that I'm asking you to claim and believe with me that the Lord has lifted like a rhema of truth right to our hearts. While we're having this revival this year, we're getting right with God before it because we're asking for God to be glorified through the harvest. We want God to be glorified through the lost coming to faith in Jesus, just like all of you who were lost and are now saved. That's what we're asking for during this meeting and far beyond. Before the meeting starts, it doesn't matter to us. We just want to see people get saved and know it. I was preaching Psalm 51. If you want to look at verse 13, you might see something that God will will cause to be settled in your heart for this week. Here's the verse we're claiming, Psalm 51, 13. I'll give you a minute. Some of your attorney. You don't have to. I can read it to you. But it's right after the Bible says David is crying out to God for repentance. And then David says, looks at, at uh, God and he says, Lord, create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. About verse 10. But then you come down to about verse 13 and he says, Then, after my spirit's been changed, after I've repented, then will I teach transgressors thy ways. Did you see that? And sinners will be converted. Can we say that together? And sinners will be converted. One more time. And sinners will be converted. You know who I think he's talking about there? The lost. But I don't think that's all who he's talking about. I think there's some other believing sinners that need to be converted too, need to be changed, turned back to God as well. But then in the text, Pastor Cameron led us to to believe regarding this text, regarding our revival, Isaiah 57, 15. We read it earlier. I want you to look down or listen to verse 19. He says, peace, peace. Our pastor said the word means welcome in, welcome. Peace, peace, listen to this. To them that are afar off. How many, I want you to think about this for a moment. How many know somebody in your life, in your whole influence, that have no peace and they're far off from God? Would you raise your hand? Just hold it high if you have someone in your life. Like, raise it up. Peace. They have no peace and they're far off. Thank you. You can put your hands down. If you couldn't raise your hand, I want to challenge you. Get out of your house. Meet your neighbors. Go to school. Meet the teachers. Meet the parents of the other children in your school. Go to your family gatherings. So you can know and be a part of the kingdom work. 
peace, peace to them that are afar off. So my exhortation is simply this. Let's get a burden. Let's believe God. And let's bring the lost. Let's bow our heads together in prayer. I wonder while our heads are bowed, is there someone right now that would say, Lord, if you'll show me, if you'll give me this burden and show me who, I'll invite them. Maybe you already know who they are. At the close of the last hour, somebody was already texting and calling. God, I'm sorry. We sang that earlier. I'm sorry when it's been my agenda and I've not thought about the lost. Forgive me, Lord. You know when churches get in trouble and divide and argue and stuff like that? Thankfully, we're not there. I'll tell you when that happens. When you start looking around at each other instead of looking out on a world that doesn't know God. Father, if it's true what you said, and we know it is, that you're not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. I'm praying for every soul within five miles of this church. Ten miles, a hundred miles, a thousand miles, and beyond. You know their names. You know how many hairs there are on their head. You love them. Jesus, you were thinking about them when you were hanging on that cross. Would you give us the mind of Christ, of humility? And would you bring supernatural opportunities and doors to open before us to share our faith and to invite folks to you? We believe it, and we thank you for it in Jesus' name.